You're listening to Ditch the Diet Radio with myself, Rachel Foy, the Food Freedom Coach. This is a podcast for smart, driven, high-achieving women who are sick and tired of their food struggles holding them back from having a life that they really want. So if you're ready to stop the struggle with eating, fighting your body, and ultimately find your own food freedom, then you, my gorgeous, are so in the right place right now. If you love the conversations that we have here on Ditch the Diet Radio, then be sure to check out my website at rachelfoy.com for free workshops, gifts, and much, much more. So are you ready? Here's a brand new episode from Ditch the Diet Radio. Hi there everyone, it's Rachel from Ditch the Diet Radio and welcome to a brand new episode. Now today we are going to be having a chat about something which if right now you are struggling with emotional eating or binging, overeating, food obsession, weight obsession and everything in between, then you are going to want to pay attention to my next guest. This is somebody that I've known for a little while. She's incredibly, incredibly talented with what she does. And she's going to start giving us a few ideas on how we can start becoming more selfish with our lives and our boundaries. Now, when I used to struggle with all of those things I've just mentioned years ago, I was definitely not a selfish person in the sense of I never put myself first. I always said yes to everything. And unfortunately, there were side effects to that behavior. It was very much a case of me doing, 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 giving, 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 not being particularly good with my boundaries. And as you are about to find out, um, you're going to start to understand how maybe right now, because you are not being particularly selfish with your needs, your desires and your, um, your cravings, from an emotional point of view, it can be very, very, very easy for our relationship with food to start becoming somewhat dysfunctional and disordered. So this is an interview that I did with my lovely, lovely friend, Joanna. Um, She's going to fill you in on this topic of being selfish or learning to get more selfish. So make yourself comfortable, get yourself a drink and let's get stuck in. I hope you enjoy it. Right. So I'm hoping that she's on the end of the line. Jo, are you there, my gorgeous? Hi, I'm here, Rachel. I'm so excited to do this. You're this is very really welcome. exciting. How are you today? I am great, actually. I've got some training coming up later on, so I'm feeling all excited and pumped for that as well. Oh, so, awesome. yeah, it's going to be a good day. I'm, g- I'm glad, and I'm going to be on your training as well because I'm incredibly incu- curious about the, um, the Akashic records you're doing about, aren't you, this morning? Yes, yes. Awesome. Can't wait oh. to learn more about that. So, um, before we kind of get stuck into your, um, your zone of genius, really, and something that I know so many women are going to benefit from in terms of your message, um, for those of you that aren't too familiar with you, and your fabulous work do you want to give us a quick introduction as to who you are so yeah of course so I'm Joanna Hunter of joannahunter.com and I'm a spiritual life and business coach and some of my clients affectionately call me mistress of the woo-woo and I'm also a mindset coach so basically what I see is I take a real holistic view especially of spiritual entrepreneurs who are my um my niche if you like and um, I work especially with multi-passionate spiritual entrepreneurs Fabulous. and um, and basically what I do is I take a really holistic view of business because I, I think that when you are a kind of like a small business owner and even though you can bring into six and seven figures in that business you know if it's just you that's kind of running the show then you, you kind of are that kind of small business owner 
and you know life becomes entwined in your business and vice versa and a big part of that is the mindset a big part of uh, helping my clients is reframing how they think about things um lightening their energy and I've just had um ability basically since I was really little in fact I, I can't remember a time I didn't have ability but I have ability to see energy in people um, and that sounds very fancy, but I, I thought everybody could do it. And it wasn't until I got to like kind of four or five and I realized like, oh, you don't see all the pretty colors that are around people all the time. Wow. <laughs> um, and um, so I've been able to do that. But I have um, inside me is the mind of a scientist as well. So it, it was really at odds at this very spiritual side of me that is very much part of the fabric of me. So one of the things is that I needed to have an explanation of what is it that I'm seeing? What is it that I'm experiencing? You know, or am I actually cray cray? Like, am I nuts? Um, and it's always good to check in that you're not nuts. Oh, yeah, so, totally. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then I discovered things like Killian photography, for instance, that takes photographs of the aura. And I could see on an actual picture the colors that I can see with the naked eye. Um, and then I got really interested in mindset and psychology and the, this whole kind of thing. And what became really interesting to me was as I would speak to people. So I'm, I am a healer to a certain extent, but I heal with a spoken word. So as I speak to people, I can see their auric fields changing wow. and I can see like, and then I can see like where energy stuck and what I need to say or do in order to kind of help them shift that on. And then I can also see within their auric field, their potential. So where they really, where their soul really wants to take them to. So this is one of the things that I kind of just do in the background. I don't really kind of advertise it as a service as such. So when people work with me in coaching, this is kind of going on in the background. And I'm like, mm, I think I need to call BS on that one because, <laughs> you know, like I can see it like, thing in their field and I know that that's constrict is restrictive and contracting energy and I'm like no that's not really how your soul feels so let's move into that soul space so that we can really get into that fully expanded version of yourself so that's really kind of what I do and then on top of that I kind of uh, for my spiritual business coaching clients um, I help to provide strategies so one of the things is I often call myself a visionary muse so I take their vision I tune into their soul, tune into their um, auric fields, and then I see what would be the most expanded version of that vision. Then we kind of go into that together and they get really, usually my clients get really, really excited at this point. And then I give them the practical steps of what they need to do in order to achieve that. So that's kind of a little bit about how I work. It is it sounds super complex and complicated, but for me, it just kind of flows through me and I don't really feel like the information that I give people really comes from me I'm, I'm just a vessel and I'm just a channel and so for me the important part has been to clear that channel as clear as possible so the best way to do that is to um get rid of your own crap basically yeah definitely like, gosh I mean how many of us actually have like literally too much crap that we just keep hold of and we bring it into every single day and every single minute um, that's you know, that's a big part of many of us that have got struggles and problems. Um, 
I think I think your work's fascinating, and I, myself and Joe, we've met one another through um, a really awesome um, group that we're in, like a business group. Um, and I was like, I need you on my podcast because the stuff that she, this lady, talks about seriously is it's life changing. And one of the particular things that we're going to have a, a really good chat about now um, is about something that Joe is very passionate about. You've got a book, and this is actually I think how I found you. And your book's called mm-hmm. Get Selfish. Yeah, get selfish the ways through. Yeah. Um, Do you want to tell us a little book. tell us a little bit about get selfish? Because this topic about being selfish, I always encourage my clients when they're trying to break free from the diets and actually really stepping into that place of authenticity and truth. They have got to learn to start being selfish. They've got to start taking care of themselves. Um, yeah. which is pretty much what, what you, you talk about as well, right? It is what I talk about, but I'd like to talk about actually what happened before get selfish yes, because um I really, you know, I, at the age of 23, I started my first company. And by the age of 26, I owned four separate six figure businesses, which I had built from scratch with an investment of £3,000. That was it, right? And I just kept reinvesting into those businesses. And in three years, I was the proud owner of four separate six figure businesses. And we can kind of begin to tell that the story is maybe not going to end so well because I worked in them all too. So I wasn't like the CEO of these where I sat on high and got all my minions to do a lot of stuff for me. Like, no, it didn't work that way. Like I worked in them all. And I also as well had a lot of really crappy stories around that. So I would tell myself like, oh, this is the way it has to be. I have to work because if I don't do this, then no one can do it as good as me. And of course, what I was doing was setting up this reality of where no one could do it as good as me. And the pressure was all on my shoulders. So I was under tremendous pressure. And then um, in 2005, 2006, I hit a burnout of what I would call epic proportions So I was rushed into, I collapsed at home in front of my children and I was taken via ambulance to hospital. And um, after an absolute barrage of tests, the doctors came back to me and said that I was in multiple organ failure. And they were trying to kind of get out of me whether I had taken something um, you know, like whether I had taken drugs or something like that, because they could see no viral or bacterial reason why my body in an otherwise healthy woman was shutting down. And I was just in my very, very early 30s. And, um, and you know, obviously I hadn't taken anything. I didn't have time. I was like, drugs, I don't even have time for that. I'm like, are you kidding me? So, um, and then one of the doctors says, I think it's a good idea for you to um, write your letters to your children. And, you know, you think, you know, you're in your early 30s, you've got two young children, you think you would go into some sort of mass hysteria thing and go like, totally, I just went into planning mode. I was just like, oh, I wonder if my brother and my mum could keep running the shops and pay my husband a wage so he can keep the family going and the kids going. And like, I wonder if some so-and-so could take this business over. And I wonder if this person could do this. And like this, I just went into this bizarre like space of planning, dying, basically, uh, and then I, I, I just, I, I just thought, God, there's just got to be more to life. There's got to be more to life. Yeah. This cannot be it. Um, and then I was laying in the hospital for um, three days, and I had this epiphany on day three. And the epiphany on day three was basically like, holy hell, this is the first three days off that I have had in seven years. Wow. I've taken two holidays and no break. I'd never had three days off together 
in seven years and I was always doing something on my on one of the businesses or in the businesses so I was never like Christmas day that was it kind of thing um and I was just like this huge epiphany and I was like my body has just given me what I have refused to give myself for seven years Three days. Uh, <laughs> and, and it was this total like moment of this is stress this is why I'm in this hospital bed mm. um and you know I was recently at weekend there with Tony Robbins and he talks about stress and he talks about stress being the overachievers word for fear and of course, that's what my stress was. It was all my fears. It was all like, if I don't do it, then I won't make the money. And if I won't make the money, then I'll have people hounding me to pay my bills. And I was in this total cycle of lack. And even though I had all of this money pouring through, it was always never enough. It was always going out somewhere. It was always paying something. So yes, I owned several designer handbags, but those were like, I bought those bags to patch a hole inside me, a hole that was so massive. And it was just growing larger and larger as the days went by of my misery of, you know, and so I would buy this designer handbag and then everybody would think I was awesome, right? And it was just because I didn't think I was awesome. So then I needed the outside validation. And of course, when I got it, I never... I didn't have it. It didn't have anywhere to place it inside me because yeah. I didn't feel like that way about myself. Yeah. I actually like I owned four six-figure businesses and on a regular basis inside my mind called myself a loser. So you know, like a weekly basis would call myself that. So what happened was that I realized, like after that multiple organ failure, like I could not afford to mess around anymore. Like I could not afford. Um, yeah, I could not afford to mess around. And I really, really needed to get in the game of self-care because I had done none, none in seven years. Like it was like I went and got a massage. But the only reason I got a massage every week was that my spine was literally like imploding on itself through the stress in my neck and shoulders. Yeah. And didn't if I didn't go and get a massage, I wouldn't be standing upright for the week. And, um, you know, and, and that was me like, oh, yeah. And, you know, and I told myself so many bullshit stories like, oh, yeah, I'm living the life. I'm living the dream. I'm, you know, and, and I was just like I was lying to myself. I was lying to other people, not consciously, but in the, you know, the fact that I was lying to myself and buying my own crap. And so one of the first steps really had to be having a really honest conversation with myself. And I remember sitting down with a pen and paper to have this honest conversation and just crying buckets, absolutely crying buckets, as I admitted that my dream that had once upon it been a dream, which was to have a shop on every high street in the UK, I had retail boutiques, a designer wear boutiques, had three of them, I'd managed to get a shop on three high streets, and I wanted one on every high street in the UK. And I realized that that dream that was once upon a dream, I had outgrown that dream, and it had become a nightmare. Uh, and that was really hard yeah. <laughs> because I realized that there was going to be probably a lot of people who were not going to like me very much if I sort of, and I felt very princessy about it. It was like, oh, Joanna's now spitting out the dummy. She doesn't want to do the shops now. She wants to do this instead. And like, it was really frivolous. And I thought, but I had to get selfish. I had to do what was right by me. And I realized that as I went through this journey of getting selfish, that um, 
that what became important was doing right by me. Um, and as I started to do right by me, I started to heal every facet of my life. I started to heal every area of my life. Um, one of the first things that I did was obviously had that conversation. The second um, thing that I did was that honest conversation gave me a space within myself of where I was able and strong enough to begin to shut down the negative self-talk because I realized it was not helping calling myself a silly cow, calling myself a loser. Like, how was I ever going to win if I had that constant barrage of, you know, you are this when I was trying to be that. And I thought, right, that's not helpful. And so I would reframe. And in the beginning, it really made me feel like a complete nutter. And I was like, holy hell, I hope this works, you know. And so because I felt like I was having like some weird split personality thing going on because I was like, I would like call myself a name. And then I would be like, no. That's not how I feel about myself. I am a winner and every day I win at life, right? <laughs> I like change it. And it felt so clunky because the other voice would then jump in and go, no, you're not. You're a total loser. And I'm like, no, I'm not a loser. And then I would like start again. And in the beginning, you know, it was like this whole kind of really clunky, messy thing. But what happens is that you've got to remember um, in my book, Get Selfish, I talk about love and fear and I talk about how there's only actually one emotion in the world and um but we experience that emotion as two emotions and from those two emotions all other emotions flow so the only emotion that there is in the world is love actually and so people are like going to argue with me straight off the bat because they're going to tell me all the horrible crappy emotions there is and it isn't just all love joanna but basically there is only love and then there is the absence of love and the absence of love creates fear And so therefore, we experience two emotions. And from love and from fear, we experience all the other emotions. So love gives birth to every positive emotion that makes us feel good. Wow. And fear gives birth to every emotion that doesn't make us feel good. And it's a disconnection from love. Yes. And fear is actually the void of where love should live. And when you are, um, what you're doing when you're changing that conversation in your mind is you're powerfully disconnecting from fear and reconnecting to love. And you're making that choice on a daily basis. But you've also got to look at the nature of fear in order to help yourself and realize that this battle is not going to last very long. Because fear is lazy. Really, really freaking lazy. Right? Because being lazy doesn't feel good yeah so that negative voice that says to you no you're not you're a loser right well when you reframe with love well love is not lazy love is tenacious love is enduring love is eternal right it's there a stay okay so when you start to reframe with love all the time eventually that that voice that is the voice of fear will give up because it's lazy and it's its nature to be lazy so eventually what happens is like, oh, you know what? You're right. You are a winner. Like, just have it. Have it. Take it. I'm just going to sit here and, and eat my chips on the couch, you know? And so that's that's what that voice, that's so the cool thing is that actually the universe, like one of them, one of my heroes, absolute heroes in life is Albert Einstein. I love his work. Um, when all my friends were into boy bands, when I was like 15, 16, I used to read his books and think he was just amazing. Um, and um, 
So Albert Einstein said that the most important question that any human being can ask, is this a friendly universe? And we can measure thoughts. And we know that a negative thought has a, a smaller electrical output than a positive thought. Mm. And uh, we know that the nature of fear is to be lazy. And, and therefore, its energy is contractive and it contracts you and helps you to live small. And we know that the energy and the nature of love is to be expansive and it expands. And so the cool thing here is that love is always going to win. And when Albert Einstein posts this question at the time, when I first read it, I was like, no, life is out to get me. And now I realize actually, you know, life supports me in everything that I do because every time that I choose love over fear, I I'm choosing strength. I'm choosing um, to align my thoughts with expansiveness. I'm choosing to align my thoughts with everything that I have ever wanted. Um, and therefore, it becomes a daily choice. And my daily choice that I pose to people is to be bitter or to be better. And every day I get up in the morning and I choose, I give thanks and gratitude for the ability to choose, which is awesome. And then I choose better. And, it is, it. and in everything that I do, I ask myself, how can I be better or better? And how can I be better in this situation? And so this is kind of where I live my life from. So the book Get Selfish was my healing journey of back through. I went through myself. I went through my layers of conditioning, BS, all the crappy stories. I told myself everything. And I created seven steps. And those seven steps became the book Get Selfish. So it's partly channeled. Because the wisdom that came through me was as I began connecting, reconnecting to myself, listening to myself again, this wisdom was starting to pour through me. And I realized that by connecting to myself, I had also connected to my intuition and I had also connected to source, to the source of energy, because source is love. Yeah. And the absence of source, so the absence of God or the universe or anything else, creates the void where fear lives. And I had lived my life from this place, from the void. And I had, and and you have to be connected to something as a human being. So you're either connected to source or you're either connected to the void where source should live. Okay. And that's what creates the contrast. And that's actually what we came here as souls to experience. Because when we go back to the spirit world and we're in our soul form, which is our true nature, which is our true form, we can only experience love because actually that's our nature and that's what we are. So in order to be able to experience all of ourselves, it is the ability to um, have that contrast so one of the examples that spirit gave me which i love because spirit always gave me very very visual examples so i'm gonna I, i'll use this example on you um rachel so give me a flavor ice cream that you absolutely love oh chocolate right so you're you're a chocolate ice cream girl right yes you have never ever experienced ice cream in your life before okay and i come along and i give you a bowl of chocolate ice creams first time you've ever tried it and tasted it so you dig in there right and you're like, oh, my God, you angel, <laughs> you know, Joanna, what is this stuff? It's amazing. And you're shoveling it in your mouth. And you're like, oh, my God, this is like the best thing I've ever tried. So but then give me a flavor of ice cream that you don't like so much. So it's maybe not your favorite. Strawberry. OK, so strawberry ice cream. Mm. So now you can tell that the chocolate ice cream is really good. Yeah. Right. And you can taste it. But you don't know how good it is. So along comes strawberry ice cream. And you're like, hmm. 
meh, this is not so good. And so what the strawberry ice cream does is that because you experience strawberry, now chocolate was kind of like at A level. Now this that level goes into the stratosphere because you now realize how good chocolate was. Okay, yeah. And so, um, and and that's really what is happening with our negative experiences. Our negative experiences actually enrich our positive experiences. So everything in this world, I believe, is serving us, even the crappy stuff. Um, it's all there to serve you. It's all there to, and I often say, and my, my guides say the same, you know, like if you were here to have a human life, this place would suck, but you're not here to have a human life. You're here to for spiritual evolution. You're here to expand your immortal soul. And so the contrast helps you to expand your mortal soul. And it is your immortal soul. So basically, you know, it isn't. So from, um, so if you switch perspectives, so we go from this human perspective. And again, I use another example that Spirit gave me, which was if I come along and kick you in the shin. So now I've given you great ice cream and, <laughs> ice cream, and now I'm kicking you in the shin. Um, and I came along and, and kicked you in the shins, right? You'd be like, ow, what a cow. Like, ow, yeah. what a cow, right? Okay, because from a human perspective. So why do you have that perspective? Well, a human, let's look at the nature of human beings. Okay, we have a finite number of years. So we don't we don't live forever. We're not immortal. Okay. So um everything becomes so much more immediate. Uh, and that's part of the illusion of what we're uh, the soul is experiencing. That because the soul has forever and the human existence is not a forever thing, right? It's it has a has yeah. a timeline. Yeah. So immediately as I and what your higher brain or what your primal brain is saying avoid that woman she's nuts she's crazy and she'll kick you in the shins and being kicked in the shins hurts okay so we'll tell you like that because that's how you judge that experience and you judge that experience from your human perspective from a finite number of years if you step into the same experience from a soul perspective i go along i kick you in the shins and the soul goes holy moly i'm not so sore i can see stars but the soul has forever right and the soul also knows it's always whole and it's always complete. So there's nothing that can be done to the soul that would damage the soul. And that's the other thing with a human perspective is that we feel like we can be broken and damaged. Yeah. And so we have this. So the soul has this knowing inside itself that it's always whole and it's always complete. And there's nothing that can be done to it that would actually change it because it's immortal and it's omnipresent. So instead of taking that experience and going, oh, what a cow, you know, I need to avoid that person. The soul will say, can you kick the other leg and see if exactly the same thing happens? Like, that was such a weird experience. Let's see if we can do it again, right? Okay. And and it will change it. And because it's not about the pain for the soul, because the soul always knows it, that it's always whole and it's always complete and it has forever. And so therefore, what the soul values is experience. It doesn't value, like what we value is not experience. We value moments as human beings. Yeah. And I think quite often those moments that we value as human beings, they could be so much more enriched if they were more, suppose, soaked with love, couldn't they? As opposed to like, oh, it could be better or it should be better or, yeah. Well, you know, 
we value moments, but it is what it is. So in the in the end of it, the thing is that those moments are we then imbue them with an energy. So the moment is just a moment. Mm. But then we say, oh, that was a negative moment. That was a positive moment. That was somebody kicking me in the shins. What a bitch. That was, you know, but whereas the soul would be like, hey, that was a weird and unique experience. I've never had that before. Yeah. Right. So they value experiences. So it's the difference of a perception. But we are the soul clad in a body. It's not that we are, um, you know, we don't actually have a body. We, we, we aren't, um, we have, we, we do have a body. We, um, we don't have a soul. We are the soul, but we have the body. It's the other way around. And we often see that we are a body with a soul. Mm. And therefore, that's where much suffering and misery comes from. Because we, we view everything from this moment to moment perspective. And that moment was crap. So now my life is crap. Whereas if we step into that soul, which we are, this is the truth of us, we are the soul, we step into that soul place, what we um, are able to do is look down and, and realize like, oh, that was a unique experience. Yeah. And what did I, and then we, can, then we can judge the experience differently because the experience, again, is what it is, right? So remember, this, this, that's good or that's bad, that belongs in the human realm. So with the soul, the soul asks another question, a different question, and that question is, what did that teach me? What did that teach me? And when we start to ask that question, we get a lot smarter in life. And so what I realized was that this big burnout that I had, one of the first things that I asked was, what is this teaching me? And I realized that it's teaching me that my self-care is a necessity. And that what I had thought of once upon a time as selfish needed to happen in my life because if I kept going down the path that I was on, where I was living moment to moment to moment, and those moments were 99% crap, uh, with a few sprinkles of these like awesome moments with my family where I felt really connected. And remember, like when you're in fear and you're in the void, the nature of the void is disconnection. The nature of source is connection. And so often when people are living from the space of the void, they're also experiencing depression. They're also experiencing all the lower energies yeah when you're connected to source you experience the full range of the expansiveness of everything that the universe has to offer for you um and that's you know but it's a deep internal choice you know are you going to be better or are you going to be better today and you make that choice for yourself yeah I think you know listening to John and I think so many women can relate to this like I know obviously like my my field is working particularly with women that obsess about food and weight and feeling like they're not good enough until they've dropped 10 pounds or and you know until they've gotten this perceived um, idealistic view of what their body should look like but all those emotions that you're talking about like feeling like you know fed up and low and down and depressed and all those things that's really common so and I, and I find it fascinating as well listening to your story how you have literally flipped everything around for you like from someone that was quite critical and quite well, quite bitchy to yourself from what you're saying. Like it, it was sounds awful, like, yeah. awful to myself. Yeah, I was nice to other people, but I was really horrible to myself. I was not, you know, one of the chapters in my book. Um, I ask in the chapter, I pose a question in the chapter that if you had a friend who spoke out loud to you, um, you know what you say to yourself in your own mind. How long do you suppose you would be friends? Exactly. And I realized I wouldn't be my own friend for five minutes. Yeah. 
I think um, I think I someone said to me a few days ago. Actually, we we're talking about something like the whole concept of how we talk to ourselves as well, and it's not just women, but particularly women. I think it's almost like we're being our own bully as well. Like it's one thing to be yeah. a bitch to ourselves, but actually, we sometimes, and I did this, we take on the form of being a bully to ourselves, don't we? Yeah. It's like, oh, you're you're shit. You need to do this. You're not good enough. You need to try harder, um, and it's quite intimidating behavior of our own. Yeah, it's not going to serve us at and then all. In that, in that mess, you then are trying to pull out self confidence, yeah. self esteem, yeah. and self worth. Yeah. It's not going to happen because you are connected to the void, and the nature of the void is to be unconfident, to doubt, to feel crap, and to feel shit. The only way that you're going to be able to flip that switch is connect to source. Right. So tell and, us. Tell us how to connect to source. So on a very like basic level, someone listening to this right now goes, oh my God, that's what I do. I don't feel worthy. I'm constantly being a bitch to myself. I'm constantly being awful to myself. I'm living moment to moment. My life isn't what I want it to be. How do we start taking steps towards reconnecting? Like what, what do we need to do? Well, that's basically the entire premise of Get Selfish. It's seven yeah. steps. So the first step is what is Get Selfish? So it's understanding that we cannot serve from an empty vessel. So we don't have it to give. We can't give it out, right? That's a big one so, for women, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. And we need to begin to fill it up. And one of the reasons why my book is called Get Selfish is that every time I, I worked for many years as a life coach, after I did my own healing, I then worked as a life coach. And I would have people that would come to me and um, every time I explained this concept that they need to start putting themselves first and they couldn't serve from an empty vessel, without failure, they would say, but that's selfish. And I'm like, yeah, honey, but you need to get selfish. And then I would kid and joke with them, like, if I write a, get, if I get, write a self-help book, it will be called Get Selfish. And here it is. <laughs> so awesome. step number one is all about get selfish. The next step is create the space for healing. So one of the things that we do as human beings is that um, I call it, or again, this is another um, example that Spirit has given me, and I call it touching the hot oven, okay? So you're trying to heal and you're trying to create this amazing life, right? But you continue to touch the hot oven, hoping that your burnt hand is going to heal. Not going to happen, ever, right? Everybody has their own hot ovens. And so I realized, like, I had people where I was lifting the phone to them every day um, or every week, and they didn't make me feel good. And so what I was doing was I was hoping that I would hang out with these people and my life would be better. (laughs) Right? No, not going to happen. It was my hot oven. And so what I began doing when I created the space for healing is I began, first of all, by identifying what are the hot ovens. What are the things that really make me feel crap? Um, who are the energies that make me drive me down and drag me down? What are the situations, the places? So that became places, people, situations, yeah, whatever. Everything, yeah. Everything that didn't make me feel good, I made a concerted effort to move away from that. The second thing I did as well was I um, started to understand that the word no was not only a loving action to myself, but it was also a loving action to the other person because if I turned up and I wasn't giving them my best they were getting not a hundred percent they were getting crap basically because I don't really want to be there and I had said oh yeah I want to do this but that was also really really important because that brings you into step number three which is building self-love 
So um, self-love or building self-love is understanding that the amount of love that you have for yourself directly impacts your ability to um, receive love from the universe, okay? So that life, that dream life that you want is love from the universe. You can't receive it unless you are willing to receive your own love first. Um, And a loving action to yourself is allowing yourself to say no when that's what you want to say instead of doing that funny weird smile that we women do and go yeah okay I'll do that and I was an expert on that I used to do that all the time and I realized that as an act of self-love for myself I needed to say no but I was also in that and and again spirit showed me a really really clear example and what they showed me was was a glass of really crystal clear water and then they said to me when you say yes and you mean yes this is what you are handing to another person I said okay I get it and they said when you say yes and you mean no this is what you're handing to a person and they took some sort of black crap and like dropped it into this crystal clear glass of water and it became all murky and yucky and they said you're now asking that person to drink your crappy energy and it was such an eye-opener for me because I was like oh it's not only an act of self-love for me it's an act of self-love for them because if I don't want to be part of whatever they're into or whatever they're doing, all I'm doing is taking my energy and bringing theirs down. That's such a powerful reframe. I think a lot of women struggle with saying no, as you did, as yeah. I did. And to actually and sort of flip it around and say, actually, it's an act of self-love, not just for me, but for the person involved in this conversation as well. Yeah, That's really and powerful. The, and the third thing in that scenario is that when you say no, you open up the energy for someone else to step into that space because you become a placeholder when you say yes but you mean no and that means because you are a placeholder energetically that place or space and energy cannot be held by anybody else Mm. and but there's a maybe another person out there who would totally want to be part of that totally want to do the thing that you're being asked and but because you've chosen to be a placeholder you're preventing that other person from receiving better energy, better quality of energy in that moment. Because you're not at that stage, because you're not filled enough for yourself to want to do that because it's coming from a low energy. So um, that was building self-love. Step number four is self-awareness. So understanding that your mindset is responsible for your current life and that your mindset is a direct reflection of the thoughts that you are having Um, inside your head and it's not about what's going on on the outside it's all about what's going on on the inside that was a big moment for me when I actually realized that it was like holy shit I'm creating all of this (laughs) so that's becoming self-aware yeah and so once and becoming self-aware is a very bittersweet pill because we get given this power that we can change everything in our lives but we also as well go often in step four a lot of people struggle in this step because they go into this mode of beating themselves up like I've been so crap to myself I've been so bad to myself I've wasted so much time I've you know and and we can go into that pity party and it's the last I believe that it's the last kind of um it's the last ditch attempt of the void to drag you back into the void so don't allow yourself to 
move into that pity party of like I've done this all to myself and I'm so rubbish you know like that's just the void trying to desperately hang on to you because remember whatever you're giving attention you're also giving energy to and the void can't survive without your energy and attention it dies without your energy and attention it's just trying to live right so um and and you're diminishing the energy that you give it so and that's the last foray because the next step number five is your alignment to happy so alignment to happiness is understanding that happiness is a destination and one that you need to take yourself to so this kind of goes back from to the space from healing of understanding that you need to move away from everything that makes you unhappy you can't have a happy life if you continue to indulge in all the stuff that makes you unhappy yeah totally and and if that includes people you know cut them out and this is a lot of people get really bent out of shape because they're like I can't cut my mother out I can't cut my father out I can't cut this person out and and then the second thing that people get really worried about is is there going to be some horrible confrontation I don't want confrontation and I'm like no it's it's a withdrawal of your energy so if you were phoning somebody every single day but every time you got off that phone you felt really crappy really shit then make the choice not to lift the phone Yes. You withdraw your energy. If they phone, you are very pleasant on the phone. You don't have to confront them and go, you're no good for me. You need to get out of my life. Because ultimately, that's not going to make you feel good. And it's not going to make them feel good either. And in the fact that you will upset them and make them feel sad, you'll make yourself feel sad. Because like energy is always attracting like energy. So instead, you're just pleasant to them on the phone. And if they say, oh, you know, do you want to come out on Saturday? You say, I'm really sorry, but I have plans on Saturday. And that's it. It's done. Right? It's over. Yeah. And instead of like it being this horrible confrontation, so you don't need to have the confrontation, but you do need to to move away from the energies. And often it's not a forever thing because if you've got low self-esteem and you're continuously hanging out with people who pling the buttons of your low self-esteem, what's going to happen is you're never going to feel good, right? But if you take a break from them, which again, it comes back to step two um, of this create the space for healing, as you create that space for yourself you give yourself a chance to build yourself up and then when you do speak to them again you're coming from a stronger power base and then you actually don't take maybe some of the stuff that they say so personally anymore because you're you're not coming from a place of low self-esteem and you're not coming from this place of like the world's against me you might be coming from a place of like the world's happening for me and so instead of these people like being able to play your self-esteem now, what they actually do is are giving you powerful lessons and you're realizing like, oh, OK, thank you for that. Instead of before, like, oh, why does she hate me or why does life is why is it so bad? You know, this is like so alignment to happy is really important because we have to understand that it's a destination. The other thing I talk about in my book, which a lot of people really love this chapter because they think it's quite funny and it's quite hilarious, but it is from truth. Um, I have separated happiness into two categories the first category I call designer bag happiness designer handbag happiness um literally fades like your designer handbag goes out of season it's not so (laughs) happy anymore right yeah um so and and often many of us think that happiness is in that designer handbag we think that happiness is in these things and in this stuff and I realized as I went through this process of my alignment to happiness I realized like that happiness was all very well and good, but it wasn't the lasting happiness and it wasn't that happiness that makes you glow from the inside out. And so I realized like what 
that happiness was was um what I call Dalai Lama happiness. And that's what I wanted. I wanted Dalai Lama happiness. I didn't want the designer handbag happiness because the moment that that designer handbag was out of season or got old or got tatty or had its first scratch, it wasn't that happy anymore, right? And so I wanted this happiness that was like, it came from the inside out and it made me glow. And I realized that that wasn't actually in things, that was in feelings. And so I went from this place of material into this place of feeling. And that was really powerful shift. Um, and then step number six is becoming empowered. So understanding that you can only win from an empowered winner mindset. Yeah, that's and a that big you one. need yeah. to align to it. And then the final step is step seven, which is putting it all together. Because all we've got is all these little steps that we've done together. So we need to apply it all to um, in our daily life and to create lasting happiness and abundance in our life. And the best way that I know how to apply it all together is to start rocking out gratitude. Gratitude is the game changer of life. And I'm not talking about some like poxy kind of lip service gratitude like, oh, yeah, I'm so grateful for my life. Um, and then you feel like dying on the inside, right? That's yeah. not gratitude. That's not even, I don't even know what that is. I don't oh, even yeah. know. That's not gratitude. I have many clients that tell me like, oh, I'm so grateful for my life. And then in the next breath, they will then tell me how crap their life is. Yes. Remember, like energy attracts like energy. If you're totally, totally grateful for your life, you will be attracted powerfully in more gratitude, more things to be grateful for. Everything that you've ever wanted, I call it gratitude island. Everything that you ever wanted is laying on Gratitude Island. It's like as soon as you get there and you hop off the boat onto the island, there on the sun liners, all the money that you ever wanted. There's the dream house that you wanted. There's the dream relationships that you wanted. There's the uh, the feelings, experiences, and everything that you wanted. It's all like hanging out, hanging off the trees on Gratitude Island. What happens is that the minute that you um, start giving gratitude you're in your speedboat speeding towards gratitude island you're speeding towards everything that you want but the moment that you disconnect from source because source is also gratitude because source gratitude feels good right so we yeah. know that it's nature's love and so we also know that it's nature's source and so um the moment that we disconnect from love um, and it is that boat does a big Yui and goes to another island, like where shit life lives. And you're like, no, I want to go over there. <laughs> so if you want to go over there and you want to live on Gratitude Island, because the ultimate goal is to live on Gratitude Island, because that's where everything that you've ever wanted lives, right? Yeah. yeah. So, and every experience that you've ever wanted to have and every feeling that you've ever wanted to feel lives there. So, um, gratitude island is just simply to give gratitude but it's more than that you have to feel it with every fiber of your body you have to feel it with every fiber so it is really really important that you begin to feel grateful for everything that you have and really allow yourself to feel grateful and in the early days what I would do is get myself into this complete and it would be you know you've heard oh my god that girl's in a state right because she's so upset yes. I would get myself in a state of gratitude and I would the tears would stream down my face because I would by the end of that kind of powering myself up thinking about all the stuff that I was so grateful for thinking about all the chances that I had in my life like the opportunities experiences that I've had like I would think about all that good stuff and I would get myself into a state of gratitude and the tears would be streaming down my face. And I would honestly feel like the luckiest woman who ever breathed 
like I would feel like untouchable in my gratitude because I would just feel in a state of being of where I was like, I am so freaking blessed. And you know, when I did that at the time, when I first started this Get Selfish journey, I had all these businesses and I was making a lot of money, but I also had a lot of debt and I had 90,000 pounds of debt. So, you know, don't sit there and tell me like, oh, well, it's all very well and good for you because like you maybe had your material needs met and blah, 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 blah. No, like I was, my outside world was not reflecting that to start with. Yeah. And you need to reverse the tide. So if you've ever run in a swimming pool and you've ever done aqua aerobics and the, the teacher gets you to run in one direction and you're with all these other women, right? So they're all running in one direction. It's all really easy because the more that you run, the water starts flowing in yes. that direction, right? Awesome. Well, then that bitch blows a whistle and says, now the other direction. And suddenly all this war is coming towards you. And it's like, oh, fuck, this is so hard. Well, if you've been in a state of the void, if you've been in, in lack, if you've been in, um, and when I talk about lack, I talk about every area, like not feeling like you have enough time, not enough love, not enough, whatever, not enough, right? That is lack. And that's how we experience the void. We experience the void as this feelings of not enough. I'm not a good enough. I'm, I don't have enough. Um, I don't earn enough like these are that's lack and so what's going to happen is if you've been living in lack and you want to you know suddenly start living this like really amazing life where you're connected to source what you're going to do it's going to feel like you're running in the swimming pool with the tide coming towards you yeah to start with but remember you've only got to keep running so much before the tide reverses that's a really powerful image because you can imagine that, like as soon as you actually just start, because yeah. I'm, I'm guessing people listening now are like, oh, I understand it, but, you know, I don't feel very good and I hate my job or my marriage isn't happy or I don't feel confident with myself. You know, it's it sounds too easy or it just sounds like it's never going to happen. But once you actually start getting into the practice of doing it, you're saying that you start to gain momentum and then it becomes easier. Yes, it gains momentum because like energy attracts like energy. And it's just that is the law of attraction in action. That is the law of attraction in action. So step seven in my book, not only do I deal with what I call the law of manifestation, but I also deal with the process of how to kind of order anything from the universe. And I talk about gratitude as well and attitude of gratitude. And then I talk about a concept that I've never really seen in other books before, but this was completely spirit led. But the, one of the last chapters in my book is, um, let me just get to it. The last chapter in my book is gratitude because I really wanted to finish on gratitude um, and because it's such an important lesson. But the, the chapter before that is called The Perfect Life. And um, Spirit gave me this in a meditation. And they said to me, your life is perfect. And at that time... I was just recovering from, um, I was in the process of recovering from um, what I, you know, my burnout. And in the course of my burnout, I ended up with four different abdominal surgeries, including having a third of my liver removed because my liver had funnily enough, like kind of grown tails and they couldn't tell me whether I had cancer or not. So I had a really high risk operation to have that done. And luckily enough, I didn't have cancer. But it was a very bizarre and very weird um, thing for my liver because the surgeon who had been operating on livers for for 17 years said his exact words were, I didn't even know the liver could do that. So um, 
but so I was going through all this stuff at the time, right? And I'm sitting meditating and my spirit guide says to me, your life is perfect. <laughs> I got so mad. I stopped meditating for four months, which all I did was really hurt myself more than anything else because I was like crawling the walls by month four. I was like, my mind. Um, but um, in this, so when I went back to meditate and I let them finish what they were saying and I didn't, you know, I got over my kind of big cream puff and I, I let them finish. What they said was, and this is where they really said that, um, is that it is giving you tailor-made opportunities to find your inner strength, to find your inner stuff, right? And to really get to know who you are. Wow. And that's what it is. Yeah. And, and that's what life is doing. So your life is perfectly suited to that agenda. But just like my guide said, you know, if you were just here to have a life, this place would really actually suck. But you're not here to have a life. You're here to learn. You're here to expand. And everything moment by moment is giving you tailor-made opportunities for growth. Kind of taking the lessons out of everything that happens to us. Everything. Everything is a lesson. You know, and when I started doing that and really, really not only working and this process, this whole process is really what self-love looks like. This is what self-love looks like. And that whole process, when I started giving self-love and I started um, really, really understanding it, um, one of the super cool things that happened was that everything changed. Everything. Like I became more abundant. I worked my ass off to be abundant and here I was. I'd gone from working 72 hours a week, every week for seven years to taking holidays to like a really heavy week where I was breaking a sweat was like 18 hours. And I went from that and I suddenly became like three, four, five, six, seven, ten times more abundant than I was when I was slogging it out 72 hours a week, every week and not taking breaks and holidays. Amazing. And here I was, you know, um, my house, I lived in, I had everything that was another dream. I wanted to have this really big house. I wanted to have like a really lovely house and stuff like that. Um, started through this process of filling up my void um, and filling up my void inside of me with love, filling up my void with source energy um, and, and filling the void, literally. Um, and as I was doing that, there I was, ended up in a house that was three times the size of my old house. And my old house, I had to work 72 hours a week I just slugged my guts out. There was no holidays. There was no fun. There was no nothing. And I went into a place of what I call ease, joy, and flow. And there I was in a house that was three times the size. It was huge. I had my first my first own office. In that house, We I even had a craft room. I even had like an actual room where <laughs> I had all my crafts in. And then I had an office on top of that. I had my bedroom. I had an ensuite. I'd never had an ensuite before. We had like three bathrooms in that house. There was like it was amazing, and um, and that was me working eighteen hours. You know, like everything filled up from this place. And what happened was, and this was the process of get selfish. When you fill yourself up, you become full, and everything that you wanted is in that fullness. Um, but it came yeah. from gratitude, and gratitude was the the game changer. Like I live my life in gratitude now. Every day I think of what I'm grateful for, and one of the things, obviously, being I, I call myself a bit of an observer. I'm always observing energy, obviously because I can see it as well. But I'm I'm observing my clients and seeing, you know. And then sometimes um, when I see particular groups of energy, I quite often name the energy. 
Um, you know, when I see a pattern of energy and then I'll, I'll give it a name often. But one of the things that I see quite often in people who have relationship problems is um, it doesn't matter how a relationship ends. It doesn't matter what difficulties that relationship is going through at that time. It doesn't matter if it was adultery. It was just growing apart. It was I hate your guts. It was, you know, whatever that was going on in that relationship, there's only one cause of the downfall of a relationship, just one, which is what I've discovered um, in my study of relationships and multiple relationships, people, you know, coming to me with all different types of problems, which they present on the surface. But when we dig down underneath, the one problem that comes through is a lack of appreciation. They don't appreciate their partner. It is the death and it is the death song of any relationship when you begin to not appreciate the other person. Yeah, that's a, that's a probably one that many people can relate to, just kind of getting on with things and right. getting to appreciate everything that we have, going back to what you're saying. Yeah, and it's a bouncy thing because one of the things that some people say to me, often I get single clients that come, they don't come with their partner, right? But then they tell me the story of how like their relationship's shady. Um, and then I say to them, well, you know what? All you need to do is start appreciating your partner. And they say, well, why should I be the one that has to do that? They're not, you know, appreciating me. And I'm like, yeah, because you're probably busy telling them how shit they are 24-7. Yeah. There's not a big incentive for that person to turn around and say, baby, I love you. I think you're awesome, right? <laughs> and so you don't feel appreciated. And so therefore, like energy is attracting like energy. So what I often give them is the task of just finding five things each day that they are super, super grateful for in their partner. And they have to tell their partner three of those things. They have to actually verbalize three of those things. And I've had, I had a woman who came to me, she had been 13 years on antidepressants. She told me the story of how her partner was nothing but a, a really, in her own words, a big shit. He didn't sound that bad to me at all. In fact, he sounded rather lovely and he sounded like a very understanding person. But she was in such a bad place that she was kind of like, have you heard of rose tinted glasses? Yeah. Right. Well, she didn't have those on. She had the shit tinted glasses. So everything in her life just looked shit. And unfortunately, he was always in the firing line. So he always looked crap. Right. So I said to her, well, you have to find five things that you really appreciate. So if you're if you know if your partner takes out the rubbish, you say, you know, like, thank you so much for doing that. I really, really appreciate that and she wrote me an email two weeks after having the session and said that her marriage had completely transformed just in two weeks and that she just couldn't believe it and then about two months after and we had only done one session but about two months afterwards she wrote to me telling me how that under the advisement of the doctors 13 years she'd been on antidepressants and now she really didn't need them anymore and that she had been weaning herself off her antidepressants and she says I just started doing the gratitude and I'm and it I didn't even really notice it working in the beginning, but there was a moment that I noticed it and she said, My children were outside playing and I looked through the window and I could see them playing. Now the old me would have been like, Oh, what a fucking racket, right? Yeah, yeah. But she said, but instead she said, I I started laughing because they're they're laughter was like little tinkly bells and I was just filled with this joy and I stood there probably for 10 minutes just watching them be totally in the now totally in this moment of having such a good time and I had this feeling of complete blessing over me that I had these healthy beautiful children and they were so happy and it made me so happy and I feel up and I talk about this because I'm like 
is so powerful because this is a woman who had 13 years been on antidepressants mm-hmm. and was considering leaving her partner. And and there it was, you know, she was like her her life had enriched so much just through her. She hadn't, she hadn't, nobody else on the outside had done anything else. All she had done is change everything. She changed every relationship in her life. She had changed her relationship with herself. She changed her relationship with her husband. Clearly had become a much more lovely, loving mother. Because before her children playing and laughing would have been noise and would have been annoying to her. Whereas now it was a sound of beauty and it was a sound of joy. And she was able to appreciate that joy. But because of in that dark place that she was in, where she was totally and utterly connected to the void, she couldn't appreciate that joy at that stage. And that is the transformation of Guess Selfish. That is going through the self. That is the life-changing work that I do and that I feel called to do. But the reason I'm passionate about it is the fact that it saved my life, literally. And without it, I wouldn't be here today. Absolutely. Joe. your story is honestly, it's one of the most remarkable that I've heard. Um, and I think everything that you've just said there is going to be a massive, massive help and insights and inspiration for everybody that's listening. So thank you so much for having a chat with us today. It's been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really um, just cherish any opportunity that I get to talk about Get Selfish because <laughs> I really, really believe that it, it, I, I believe that there's a bigger message in Get Selfish because when you get selfish and you connect to that source energy and you connect to love, then the need for war disappears. And so I actually believe that this is the way through to world peace. Because if everybody was willing to get selfish, everybody was willing to begin to cherish and love themselves, you wouldn't hurt yourself by putting a gun in your hand and putting yourself out to war. You just wouldn't do that to yourself. Mm. So it isn't a case of, of doing that to fellow man. It becomes a case of you couldn't do it to yourself. Absolutely. Gosh, there's some powerful stuff there. I think we might need to have you back and we can explore a bit more of this topic in more depth. I'd love to. Awesome stuff. You're very welcome. Listen, your details and anyone that's listening, um, Joe's details are underneath this um, episode of the podcast on the website, but your uh, your website is joannahunter.com. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, Joanna you can Hunter. find me there. And my book, you can find my book at getselfishbook.com. Um, it has its own website and you can read kind of about it and things like that there as well so awesome sounds like a plan listen have a fabulous day all the best for your workshop that I'm going to be jumping on with you in the next sort of 45 minutes (laughs) really excited for that so I will see you soon all right have a fabulous day thanks again Joe. you too Bye. bye bye Thanks for listening to Ditch the Diet Radio, everyone, with your host, Rachel Foy. That's me. If you've got ever any questions, then you can email me at info at rachelfoy.com. Be sure to check out the website, rachelfoy.com, for your free gifts and other bits and pieces. And if you would like to leave a review or subscribe to the podcast, then please do so. I am trying my absolute best right now to get the most amazing, incredible, and inspirational people on the podcast show. And if there's anyone that you would really like me to interview, then drop me a message and I will see what I can do. Have an awesome day and remember that you can have a life where food doesn't control you. I can't wait to show you how. Bye.